0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting on March 15th. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. That's Online. Your online sportsbook experts, BetOnline.ag. Blue Wire.
2: The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Levine. Zach Levine. does it again. Shot on the
0: oh! 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 Larry The crossover. Love. Levine get it up or get out the way. Trey Young.
1: This is Cash Considerations. We're brought to you by BetOnline.ag. We're brought to you by Untuck It as well. We're a Blue Wire podcast. We're talking about the Chicago Bulls. Jason, it's sort of weird that we have actually healthy Bulls team for once to talk about, at least for the most part. Zach Levine remains out. Of course, Levine gets hurt as soon as Lowry and Wendell Carter, and Otto Porter all make their return to the lineup. It's been that kind of season for the Bulls. Uh, Kobe White has really been balling lately. The Bulls can't get many wins still, but if nothing else, at least we can see a little bit of what we thought the Bulls would be coming into the season. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that they lost three games, we did finally see them beat a 500 team. Their best win of the year was Monday against the Mavericks. Do you think that that, that's, you know, too much? Uh, do I think, do you think I'm overselling it by saying it's the best win of the year? The um, Mavericks. I don't know. It was a weird game for the Mavericks. They were on a second of a back-to-back,
3: ending up a road trip. They didn't have Chris Evans, Porzingis. They didn't have Seth Curry. Obviously, the Bulls did not have Zach Levine, did not Chris Dunn's out for the season. Chandler Hudson also, by the way, might be out for the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, So, tough break for him. But, I mean, I don't know. It was a weird game. It looked like the Mavs were going to blow the Bulls out, and then the Bulls kind of dominated the third quarter. Instead of having their usual third quarter, they actually had a great third quarter themselves. And then... It was it was actually kind of funny because they win this game, whatever. They won 109, 107, I believe. They won by two. They almost completely blew it. Like they were but like it but probably the best win of the season, but they literally almost turned it into arguably the worst win worst game of the season, even though they've had a ton of horrible losses. They were up, I think, it was eight points, I think, in the last with like 23 seconds to go. Jim Bowling calls a timeout to like run up do his run up, run one of his G-League plays that he like that he likes to talk about. The Bulls, I think, turn it over twice in a row. The Mavericks all almost end up coming back, and Luka Doncic, it ends up with Luka Doncic almost making a half-court shot to beat them. It, it was online, just glance off the front of the rim. So it it went, yeah, I'll, i guess I'll give them credit for that win, kind of. Maybe. Like I said, the, the Mavs had their own issues there. Uh, but it was a game, that was that, that was Otto Porter's return game. Otto Porter, as you mentioned, is back. He had a really nice game. Uh, he shot I think seven eleven of, of eleven from that game off the bench. He's still coming off the bench now. Uh, a few games later, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that that yeah, that was basically win number two over a top or a team over five hundred. They also had that win against the Clippers earlier in the season, but that game also had asterisk. Was no Kawhi, no other guys. Uh, we'll see the Grizzlies. It's also kind of hinging on the Grizzlies and what they do if they get over 500, because the Bulls beat them twice, so that that might help them. But uh, yeah, I mean that win was. It's just this time of year is just kind of weird, anyways, because long season, the dog days. We've seen some just weird outcomes in general. We just saw the Nuggets lose with the Cavs and the Warriors this week, so it's like the fact that the Bulls finally beat like another good team was. It's just it's almost kind of like a whatever. But funny, this last game that they just played after they well, after they beat uh, the Mavericks, they then they had to get oh maybe they could they could go on a little winning streak here. They have the Timberwolves coming up, and then they have the Pacers at home, and the Pacers were missing some key guys, and then the Nets who just fired Kenny Atkinson, and they're missing I have Kyrie Irving's after the season. The Bulls, of course, end up losing the next three games to finish out the week. They go and they lose in Minnesota. The, Minnesota hit like 3 pointers against them. Uh, they got out. They they gave up a couple big rebounds late in Jim Boylan. Went off in the post-game show, and he challenged the team and all this stuff. He challenges the team, and then the Bulls come out against a shorthanded Pacers team who did not have – they didn't have Malcolm Brogdon. They didn't have Jeremy Lanz out for the season. Uh, Doug McDermott was out. Uh, I think they were missing – TJ Warren was out. They did get Victor Oladipo back, but they were missing a bunch of key guys. So I thought, hey, maybe the Bulls will have a good chance to win this game. They ended up going down by like 23 points at one point. They came back and made it kind of interesting, but Shaq Harrison just randomly made a bunch of threes. But they basically got their ass beat in that game. And then they come out in this Nets game today. They forced twenty nine turnovers. The Nets turned the ball over twenty nine times, and the Bulls still lost. Uh, they did again. They made another late run, l- another late comeback. They were down. The Bulls were down thirteen. They actually had a chance to tie the game. Kobe White just missed. A shot unfortunate because as you mentioned kobe white has been playing really well lately one of the few bright spots of this Bulls season they are now 21 and 43 they're eight games out of the playoff totally toast kobe white 21 points in this nets game he had 26 against the pacers 26 against the timberwolves he had 19 against the mavericks uh he has eight straight games of at least 19 points or more his assists are up the turnovers have been pretty minimal so kobe white one of the few bright spots he's still not starting but uh he maybe he'll start boiling kind of kept that door open but other than that i mean the bulls are just kind of they were, we're just trudging towards the end of the season at this point and it's, it's just kind of depressing uh it's it's hard not to get checked out i understand if you are checked out i've had i had so many fans just like tweeting me just like you know i, I had somebody tweet me today like i didn't watch a minute of today's game and it, and it felt great um yeah, so I mean, it's just it's just kind of a again we've we've talked about this for a while now. Just kind of a bummer, even though Kobe White has been a, one of the few bright spots.
1: Yeah, even though Kobe isn't starting, he is playing a lot. Like he this is. month, yeah. in four games, he's averaging thirty-five minutes a game, uh, and he was basically getting you know thirty-three minutes a night before that too, starting with his great scoring run. So basically, Kobe's first game after the All Star break against Charlotte. He was terrible. He was 3 of 11 from the field for 12 points. And then since then, he's been fantastic. He had the three games in a row with 30 points. He hasn't scored less than 19 points since I think this is what, a a seven game stretch, an eight game stretch, eight eight game stretch. Uh, So, you know, really impressive run for Kobe. I do think that, you know, it's something to get excited about. Why not? Bulls fans need something to be a little bit else. optimistic about. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Kobe being able to score, I think, is pretty exciting. And man, my main takeaway on Kobe is that this dude gets up shots at basically a Jordan Crawford-like <laughs> clip. I mean, that's what he reminds me of. Every time he touches it, it feels like he's shooting. Uh, he took, He's taken at least 20 shots in all four games this month. And then even if you go back to the start of the streak, you know, 22 field goal attempts against Phoenix to score thirty three. He had twenty one field goal attempts against OKC to score thirty-five. Uh so he's been efficient and he's been efficient for a few different reasons. First of all, he's just draining threes. Uh you know, he had the great hot stretch to end February where he was hitting four threes, six threes, five threes, seven threes. And then since March started, he's only hitting thirty percent from three or thirty one percent basically, but he's getting up almost nine shots a game from deep. So uh He has been able to get his assists going a little bit as well, which has been nice. But, you know, Kobe, I think, is a score first, score second, score third type of guy. Uh, I would love to see him continue to learn how to use his speed and his scoring ability to get his teammates open, to get his teammates involved. But, you know, even if he is just a scorer, I still think he's going to have a relatively high floor. And to see him have this stretch at age 20, he turned 20 in February, on February 16th. Uh, it's pretty encouraging for Kobe, and, I think.
3: Yeah, and our guy, Stefan who we always shout out at The Athletic, he's been tweeting out some good clips about Kobe competing more on the defensive end, which has been really nice to see. Uh, I know he's been doing some more inside the arc. I mean, you mentioned, even though he's been taking all these threes, like, he's also been taking a few more mid-range, and I feel like he's been a bit more comfortable from there lately. So that's been good to see, just kind of diversifying the offense. Uh, so that's nice. Obviously, like I don't know if he'll ever be a guy who ever gets to the free throw line a ton. He hasn't been getting there that much lately, but... I mean, in general, yeah, in a dark, drab bull season, the fact that Kobe White continues to put up these solid numbers uh, is definitely a positive. I mean, obviously, he still has flaws, whatever. Like, I, I will take any positive from at this point from from this bull season. Um, besides him, as we mentioned, Otto Porter Jr. came back, and Lowry Markkinen also uh, recently came back, and it's been kind of hit or miss. I mean, obviously, Lowry missed, I think it was five or six weeks. He had that weird hip injury. He came back and had a pretty nice game uh, to start. I think that was, what, against the Timberwolves, and he had, obviously, he's on a minutes restriction. He had, I think, 13 points in that first game back, 13 points, 6 of 10 shooting, so pretty good. The Pacers game was a disaster, 3 points, 1 of 10 shooting, 0 of 5 from 3. And then this Nets game, he played 26 minutes. He had 16 points, 4 assists, which is nice, 5 of 8 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3, so that's good. He only had 2 rebounds, which is not good. The Bulls got smashed on the boards against the Nets, Uh, so that's not good. But, at least the shooting was better. The only the eight shots in 20, 26 minutes is tough. I and mean, that's been a, a talking point with Lowry kind of all season here about how he's just not getting enough shots. And, I mean, I, I feel like we've just been harping on it. I mean, it's it's coaching. I mean, it's him. Like, I mean, do you think I, – I, I don't want to make any, like, final judgments on him. It's just like we're getting to a point where it just seems like I just don't know if we can expect him to be a guy who's a a legitimate, like high volume guy. Like obviously, I don't want to judge too much him coming off an injury, playing on these minutes restrictions. But I mean, it's he's just he's got to get more shots, and I feel I feel like that's a big thing we have to see down the down the stretch of the season. If he's going to be playing, if he's healthy, they need to get him more involved. We've been saying it all year, but I mean, it's it's got to be something because this Bulls offense obviously has stunk all season,
1: and I think one of the reasons why it stunk is Lowry has not taken that next step, right? Yeah, man, coming into this season when we were doing this podcast, I feel like I said it every episode, Lowry is the most important guy on the team going into this season. Well, guess what? The season's been a disaster because, in large part, <laughs> Lowry markin has been a disaster. And man, does last February feel so long ago, doesn't yeah. it? Those numbers last February, one more time, taking 18 field goal attempts a game, averaging 26 points, averaging 12.2 rebounds, he even got two and a half assists. Uh, This year, it's just been a totally different story. And, you know, I was hoping that maybe Markin was playing a little banged up this year and that some time off would do him some good. My guess is he's still not healthy. If you've seen him play in this stretch in March, he's just still not moving well. He's not getting shots up. He's only averaging 11.9 shots per game this season. The shooting has really fallen off, as we've talked about all year, only hitting 33% of his threes. Now, you know, the, last, the first two years of his career, he was only at 36%. So basically, he just had a really rough start shooting the ball from the outside at the very beginning of the season. And then I think that at least his three-point ball is sort of uh, regress to where it was the first two seasons, but even that isn't good enough. Like, I still refuse to believe that Lowry Markkinen's like a true shooter at 36% from deep. I just think his stroke looks better than that. I think his release yep. looks better than that, and that he should be someone who's a high volume 40 percent three-point shooter and he is still taking six attempts per game this year so the volume's been decent but uh it's not just three-point shooting with him obviously i think you know however the bulls overhauled the offense to try to win the championship for shot profile <laughs> uh it just hasn't done Martin in any favors and we haven't really seen him put the ball on the deck get the ball to the hoop uh we know that he liked to use the mid-range game a little bit now that's totally out of the bag for him right now and yeah, he's been really bad. I have no idea what Markkanen's trade value is around the league, but let's just remind people he doesn't turn 23 until May. So this was his age 22 season. I do think that he still might have the highest trade value on the team in the offseason. season despite the fact that he was terrible this year, despite the fact that next season is going to be the last year of his rookie contract. If I'm the bulls, I'm not shopping him, but if someone calls me on him, I'm absolutely listening. And I've said that a few times on this podcast, that he would be the guy. I think I might move. Obviously it's risky because he is the one dude who does have like primary score upside. But even when Markinen's cooking as a scorer, it's like, how much is he really giving you in other areas of the game? Uh, I think that, you know, more than anyone, this guy needs a new head coach. I think that he would love to see Jim Boylan be gone. There's been some uh, rumors sort of off the record that I've heard from places that, you know, Markkinen's been sort of making fun of Boylan or doesn't think very highly of Boylan. So, uh, to me, Markkinen's the biggest disappointment of the season. It's a bummer because, you know, this was the third year of his career. Like, look what Jason Tatum's done this year. They were in the same draft class. Superstar. (laughs) Ingram, I guess, was a year before, so Ingram's had the fourth year breakout. Maybe that happens to in next year, but, you know, the third year is when you really hope to see a guy make tangible strides of progress, and uh, it just hasn't happened this year for Lowry. It is not, and we
3: talk, you talk about trades, and like, I've been thinking about this, and like, with this, the Lowry-Wendell Carter Jr. frontcourt, Wendell Carter just came back as well, and he's been super quiet. Uh, He's still not taking many, he's not that involved with the offense. He's, uh, most shots he's taken in any of these games is six uh one assist in each of these games some foul trouble some turnover issues there's so just not much happening there with Wendell Carter jr like I do wonder like how much how it's, they are still so young Wendell is still only 20 like you mentioned Lowry what is he 22 23 now like they're still so you don't want to like necessarily give up on these guys but I mean the, the coach thing might be a big factor but right now it just does not look pretty for this front court and you do wonder if they're gonna He said, "I don't think they should shop these guys, but they definitely should at least be open to possibly trading because at this point, at this point, the like, what is this core giving you? I mean, right now it's absolutely it's a lot of injuries and a lot of losses. So like, you can't just sit here and be like, well, as long if they stay healthy, they'll be all right. Well, no, because when they've been healthy, they've also been bad. So like." If there's something on the table there where a trade might make sense, he just might have to do it. Yeah,
1: and you don't dump him. Like The point right. of trading yeah. Markkinen yeah. would yes. be that he could get you a pretty good return still, yeah. and I'm sure that there's a lot of teams around the league that still think pretty high of Lowry. I was talking to people during All-Star weekend about Markkinen, and the general consensus, at least from other people covering the league, was that they think that Markkinen still has a pretty high ceiling, and that uh, Boylan's the worst thing to ever happen to him. So, Ideally, like, what would you be looking for if you traded Markkinen? And to me, it's like picks, at least one first rounder. This is not a very good draft. Yeah. So it'd be tough for me to trade him for a pick this year. But maybe if you get a 2021 pick or 2022 pick, that would be awesome. Maybe if you get a young player, you know, I'm looking at like Malik Beasley, what he's been able to do for the Timberwolves since they got Malik Beasley. He's been really good for them. Yeah, he is. Uh, So, you know, there's always young guys around the league who just don't have a great opportunity on their current team. And I think the Bulls really just need to balance the roster a little bit. And, you know, you still got that young under contract next year. Uh, I mean, who knows what the Bulls are going to look like next year? Who knows who the GM is going to be? My guess with the Bulls is always the status quo since we've basically (laughs) been doing the status quo. For decades, at this point, you know. Besides for the Jimmy Butler trade, but even that, like that was so rumored. Like we all knew that was coming. Yeah. There was so much smoke around that. Was, that that trade. was a whole year of you, that. Yeah, the they rumors. tried to trade him a year the year before for Chris Dunn, basically. So, uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's not looking great for the Bulls this season, but. Uh, I got some great news for everyone, and that is that, as of right now, if the NBA lottery started today, the Bulls would have the seventh best odds in the lottery. They'd be on track for the <laughs> seventh course. pick once again.
3: Shocking. Um, we are going to talk about the draft a little bit later. We're also gonna talk, we've talked about, obviously, how boiling has been an issue. There has been some more boiling and John Paxson goofiness. Before we talk about that, uh, about the front coaching for an office and the draft stuff, let's take a quick word from our sponsor, Untuck It. Everyone why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it, try Untucked for yourself. So visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. And they even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the United States. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot and promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. We are back. Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As I mentioned before the break, uh, we there was some more Jim Boylan goofiness. I kind of hinted at it earlier about how Jim Boylan, he challenged the team. It was kind of random like because he kind of has been... I guess got more positive all season, despite despite the fact that the Bulls have been awful. He's he's kind of been trying to be more positive, but he finally kind of snapped after this Timberwolves game, and he challenged the team and he and he talked about and he talked about toughness and all that goofiness and letting me coach my team. And Casey Johnson had this whole article about boiling like why he chose now to challenge the Bulls like physicality. Like I like should probably should have done this a lot earlier, I guess, but. I don't know and then it obviously didn't work they come out and they get smoked by the pacers and all that kind of stuff but um just i guess just more goofiness there and then we had john Paxson come out praising i, I don't know how much you even read into this stuff like you could see, look at this as like the the kiss of death type stuff like john paxton comes out praises jim boylan despite despite this awful absolute terrible season where they are 21-43, and 43, where they're 0-21 against Eastern Conference playoff teams, which is one of the funniest stats. I mean, come on. You're 0-21 against Eastern Conference playoff teams. Here's John Paxson on Jim Boylan. We're having a tough season, but all along, I've asked Jim to continue to focus on teaching our young players, focusing on development and accountability, and he's doing that for us. He and his staff continue to work with players in practice and through individual film work so they can continue to grow, which we all believe will pay dividends in the future. Kobe White's a good example. He's putting in work and getting better. In terms of Lowry and Wendell, given their injuries, we're most concerned with them just playing these last 19 games, finding their legs in rhythm. Jim can't control the injuries, and he's remaining positive, which is what we need the remainder of the season. Thanks, John. Uh, And this is from Casey. After this, we have, Jim Boylan has remained relentlessly upbeat and positive this season. He has pointed to the Bulls being seven games ahead of last season's win total pace and owning a top 10 defense before widespread injuries hit. Again, they are 0-21 against Eastern Conference playoff teams. But we have Jim Boylan pointing to them being seven wins ahead of last season when they won 22 games. When they're like It was a total joke. Uh, I mean, just more absolute silliness. Like, I I don't want to like... We've harped on this obviously so much. Obviously our last podcast when we had Matt from Blogable on, we talked at length about Boylan. We talked at length about the front office and how they all need to go. But it's just like... It is just so frustrating to see these, to just see this nonsense just continue. And again, this could be just like Kiss of Death, just paying lip service and not wanting to toss this guy into the bus. But like, I mean, fans at this point, they're they're sick of, they hate Boylan, they're sick of him. The players, you mentioned stuff off the record about possible players just like not having with him. We've seen stuff, we've seen Zach Levine be frustrated with him. I mean,
1: what do, you, what, what do you make of these latest, this latest stuff? Can you go Pax? back, Jason, and reread the quote where Boylan talks about being ahead of last season's win pace? Can you read that one more time? This, this is not attorney? a quote.
3: This is this is just from case. This is from Casey Johnson, just okay. kind of editorializing here after John Paxson's com, like comments sticking up. It's just Boylan has remained again, quote, re- quoting from Casey Johnson's writing. This is not Jim Boylan speaking. He's remained relentlessly upbeat and positive this season. Before this Minnesota game, he had pointed to the Bulls being seven games ahead of last season's win total pace okay. and owning a top 10 defense before widespread
1: injuries. Perfect, like- because here was Boylan at media day, quote there's no way that we're going to stand up here and say, hey, I hope we can win 10 more games or I hope we can be better. So you literally said at the (laughs) beginning of the year that you weren't going to stand up here and say, hey, we're 10 (laughs) games better. Now you're not even 10 games better. You're seven games better just in terms of the pace that you're at. The end of the season schedule is super hard. So that's probably going to down by one or two or three, and you're still beating your chest, praising yourself, saying, Well, we're better than last year. Jim Boylan, a massive hypocrite, in addition to a terrible coach, he needs to be fired immediately. And what really is a huge bummer about this all is that in that article that Casey Johnson wrote, it once again said that management has management and ownership this is basically coming from Michael Reinsdorf that they want whoever they hire as GM to quote, keep an open mind about retaining Boylan. Jason, if I am taking that job as the Bulls new GM, I'm taking it only on the condition that we are firing Jim Boylan's broke ass and getting him so far away from the franchise forever. Now, I don't think that Boylan's like a necessarily horrible guy. I just think that, no. you know, he just doesn't deserve this job. He's, bad. And he's a bad head coach. whether he bad becomes NBA. a assistant coach in the NBA level, whether he becomes a college coach, head coach, uh, the guy's still going to be a professional success in basically any regard, and uh, he's going to do great financially, and it doesn't matter, dude. Just fire this guy. He's not cut out to be an NBA head coach. He's a gigantic hypocrite. The goalposts have moved so far that he went from saying, we were not going to beat our chest about being 10 games over to literally beating his chest about being seven games ahead of last year's pace. So uh, just more stupidness around the Bulls. And the fact that Michael Reinsdorf is asking potential new GMs to keep an open mind about retaining Jim Boylan, to me, that is such a middle finger to the fan base because Uh, The fans, if nothing else, are in unison on one thing, and that's the Jim Boylan blows. Even the people (laughs) who are hashtag C-Red all the time on Twitter, those people now have their avatars as Boylan and Joker makeup. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like Those are the people who have really jumped ship on the current phase of the Bulls being led by Boylan. I think that... Pretty much everybody who's followed the team this year, everyone who's followed him closely or, you know, from a 5,000-foot view at the national level agrees that Boylan is just totally overmatched, doesn't deserve this job. He has to be fired, Jason, so I'm going to leave this with you. What percent chance do you put that Jim Boylan is the head coach of the Bulls at training camp next season?
3: I'm um, obviously not going to say zero, but I honestly I still do think it's really low. I mean, you you just can't do it. <laughs> you talk you're talking about playoffs for the season, and now they're gonna they might win fewer games this season than they did in the first year of their rebuild. Like again, you mentioned that they're 21 and 43. As you mentioned, their schedule is brutal the rest of the way. They have 18 games left. If they they have to go six and 12 to make to hit that 27 win mark that they hit in 2017 18, they could easily not do that considering who they're playing the rest of the season so like I mean that's that's embarrassing and obviously just like the whole what how the fans like you don't you you don't want to always listen to fickle fans and all that but like the fans hate him I'm pretty sure the players I mean obviously I don't talk to the players every day like but just the stuff that we've kind of seen like what we when we observed Wendell Carter Jr. laugh like laughing when you asked about Jim Boylan like he said oh I love Jim blah 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 he fucking laughed when you asked him about Jim Boylan like and then there was a whole – there was another video where someone fired – fire or someone, like, a fan yelled, like, fire Jim Boyle on it during, like, a Wendell Carter, like, all-star break, uh, just, like, a meet-and-greet meet fan event. And he started laughing again. And then, I mean, obviously, we know all the stuff with Zach. I mean – these guys know what's going on. We had Denzel Valentine earlier this week. But that was before the Pacers game came out. And obviously Denzel has every reason to not to hate Boylan considering his lack of playing time this season. And he came out and basically just, like, the most lukewarm comments. Let me pull these comments up from Denzel Valentine. And uh, this was from Joe Colley in the Sun-Times. He, um... He 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 basically said that players have been bringing up Boylan's uncertain job status and like no one's really no one's really sticking up for him and we he got done they got Denzel on the record asking about Boylan's job and here's what Denzel said uh if I could what the heck stupid Chicago sometimes you're killing me with their payroll okay here we go it's. I mean, he has a voice. Valentine said he's been our coach all year, so hey, whatever happens to him is what happens. But for now, here's our—he's our coach. It is what it is. That is like the most lukewarm, tepid support you can get. Like these players know what's going on. The front office ha- just has to realize how like ridiculous that they would be, and how much just like more apathetic the fan base would get if they retained Jim Boylan after an absolutely atrocious, disappointing season.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to say it's at least 25%.
2: Yeah, I
3: was I was, was going to say sorry, I didn't actually give you a number. I would say like 10% or a lot. I honestly do not think they're going to keep him even if they the, all the stuff about oh management might give him a chance. I just maybe that's way too optimistic given what we know about this front office and all that but I I, I cannot see them keeping him. They've been so bad. I think and I think they're probably it looks at this point they're probably going to end the season again. They're probably going to end with under 30 wins. Like it'd be absolutely insane to keep him. I mean maybe they would do it but I don't know.
1: Well, we know that Jerry doesn't like paying multiple coaches. We know that the most important thing for the Bulls in terms of their decision-making is that whoever they hire is cheap. So Boylan already checks that box. I'm pretty sure that Boylan's the lowest-paid coach in the league. I don't have that officially because I, yeah, I, I don't think— I don't
3: think any of that—I No, I, I was looking for that the other day. I don't think his actual contract is—I I, I don't even know how many years he actually has. I was looking for it, and I I was I, it, I think when they publicized those numbers last year when he like got that little extension— I think he's probably making like 1.5, 1.6 million this year. I'm not sure what he's making going forward for the next couple years. I think his extension is, but
1: yeah, I could not find his actual salary numbers anywhere. Yeah, so you know, Boylan's got to be fired. End of the story. We've been saying it all year. Yeah. Uh,
3: well, the final thing about the front office here before we go- talk some draft to finish up this pod. Uh, you mentioned the stuff about how the front office is like. Oh, maybe they have to keep boiling. This is from a Casey Johnson mailbag. Uh, there was a rumor out there. This is from David Kaplan. He's been kind of, kind of been pushing this for a while. I honestly have no idea how much we should put stock into this. I'm pretty sure Brian Wintouris, who was on like the radio with Kaplan, kind of shut it down. But he brought up the Sam Presti thing. Oklahoma City Thunder president. I don't know why Sam Presley would actually come to Chicago if John Paxson is still around. Casey definitely threw the hot, the hot, uh, not hot. The cold water on p- the possibility of going after a guy like Sam Presti. Because I've, I'm assuming it would take a ton of money to get him away from Oklahoma City. He's got like full power there. He's been there forever. I'm pretty sure ownership loves him. Obviously, the Bulls are theoretically a better market to go to. But like the Thunder are great this year. They're great set. They're set up great moving forward. They've been just a much more successful franchise in recent years. Even if they are in a smaller market where they don't really want to pay the luxury tax as much. Even though I'm pretty sure they have recently. Uh, so I really don't know why Sam Presti would actually come here. And like I said, Casey kind of threw the cold water bucket on that, said he doesn't really see that coming. But then he kind of started talking about Paxson's role in this whole thing. And we've obviously talked about how Paxson should be gone. Like he, He's been here for two decades, basically. But here's 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 a question that was part of his mailbag. I'll read it out loud. John Paxson is still involved with the franchise. How are the Bulls going to hire, as you've reported, a quote-unquote empowered presence in the front office? And here's how Casey respo- answered this. Paxson will take whatever role ownership asks him to take. He's committed to doing what's best for a franchise and city to which he feels a great allegiance. In fact, given that it's been reported ad nauseum how much ownership values Paxon, it's obvious that he's the one driving the need for this front office overhaul. That's not to say Paxon is performing the due diligence on candidates, because it's my understanding that Michael Reinsdorf is doing that solo for now, but given an ownership's trust in Paxon, it would be easy for him to stay in his current role and keep things status quo. Instead, the Bulls are preparing to make front office hires, overhaul scouting, and addressing that need was driven by Paxson, blah, 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 blah. And then it says, Paxson's willing to take as much or as little of a backseat as needed. This this stuff just, like, I, I think this is absolutely insane. Like, to me, this read that, like, Paxson's a guy who is basically would be fine, like, he kind of, like, wants to just go away, but he just, like, he can't quite bring himself to do it. And then it's like, so John Paxson, the guy who should be going away, he's the one, like, He's the one like driving all this. It's like not ownership who should be realizing that they need to make these changes. Like this, reading this whole thing, just I like lost my mind. And then the boiling stuff came at the, at the tail end of this answer. And it's just like, "What is even? What is going on here with this answer? Like absolutely crazy." Because I I I, I believe KC when he says this. He's obviously got great sources within the franchise. So it's like, what is going on here with this crap?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that Paxton just wants to make Jerry Reinsdorf happy. He still wants to be getting a paycheck, and he knows that. There's nothing he could do to lose his job, so he just kind of wants to float around the organization, collecting a paycheck, maintaining some influence. And I, like Matt, was going in on this when we had him last week. But what he was saying is that John Paxson doesn't even like the job, and I am so convinced that that's true. And Matt made a really compelling case for it. And I think that that's what this comes down to: is that he doesn't really want to do the job anymore. He just doesn't want to let Jerry down and he still wants to be collecting a paycheck. So that's how you get a report that John Paxson will do whatever you want him to do. He doesn't really care as long as he's still making his buddy happy and as long as he's still getting paid a million dollars a year or whatever he's making. Uh, It's just so shameful from top to bottom.
3: It really is. All right, let's finish up here with like five to ten quick minutes. Since the Bulls are 21-43, and uh, and they are obviously, as you mentioned, they are in the number seven draft slot again. Uh, We got March Madness coming up, and we're going to do it, uh, next week, I believe, we're going to do a lot of draft focus on prospects coming up. But since we are in this pl- at this place, again, with the Bulls being totally shitty and having a pick in the lottery, top basically top half of the lottery, number seven possibly again, quick draft talk here. Ricky, just as we finish up here, just give me a quick overview of some of the guys at the top of the draft, and maybe maybe one one or two of your names who are you really looking at for the Bulls? I know one of my buddies has been talking about Obi Toppin a lot from Dayton, and I've seen a lot of dope dunks from him. What do you think of him, anybody else, the Bulls,
1: who are you really eyeing who would be good for the Bulls? For sure. So I'm dropping a mock draft on Thursday. That's the plan, at least. I haven't started it yet, so I haven't really dug into my research at this point. Uh, but you know, just following this draft class throughout the year – The sense that I'm getting is that it's getting stronger in the middle. Like, typically, we judge a draft class... By its top-end talent, and, you know, certainly there's no Zion in this draft class. There's not even a Ja Morant, and I'm pretty confident that R.J. Barrett would go number one in this draft class uh, if he were in it, just given his reputation before he got to Duke and his production at Duke, even though Barrett has mostly been a disaster for the Knicks this year. I, I don't think a ton of people were super high on him in the draft process, but that's just sort of the stakes around this year. Uh The name that really intrigues me for the Bulls, if they were to get the first pick, would be LaMelo Ball. And I don't think that LaMelo Ball is like a slam dunk, no-brainer, going to be a really great NBA player. He actually reminds me quite a bit of, get this one, Jason, Tyrus Thomas, in that I (laughs) think that he has some outlier traits that are really special, and he has a high ceiling, and he has a pretty low floor. Uh, With that being said, though, LaMelo Ball, 6'7 or 6'8 at point guard. I can't wait to see exactly how he measures, but he's going to be huge for a point guard, so he's going to have massive positional size. He is just about the youngest player in this draft class. His birthday is on August 22nd, so uh, that's when he's going to turn 19 years old. So he's very, very young. He played pretty good competition this year in Australia and more than held his own. He's a guy who has absolutely elite vision and elite passing touch with either hand to me that is sort of the Bulls' biggest weakness right now is that they need someone to take the ball out of zach levine's hands and they just need like an offensive initiator and i think that lamello ball could potentially do that now LaMelo does not score very efficiently. He only had a 46% true shooting percentage this year. Uh, He's not someone who gets to the free throw line either. And it's mostly because he doesn't attack the basket consistently and with force. Like if you think of the type of guards who attack the basket and can get to the hoop put pressure on the rim consistently in the NBA. They're typically guys who have a great blend of speed and power. And Lamelo just doesn't really have the body for that. Like he's not one of these guys like Damian Lillard, who's like compact and explosive. Uh, So like getting to the rim for him is absolutely a concern. All of the bad shots he takes deep from three point range, kind of bring down his scoring efficiency. I'm going to sort of spin this on its head the other way though, Jason. Uh You know, the pull-up three-pointer has become probably the most important shot in the NBA, right? Like, being able to stretch a defense from deep off the dribble is extremely valuable in today's league. Now, there's not too many guys who have hit the league who already have that shot in their back. LaMelo will absolutely take it. He had a 40% three-point rate this year, which is pretty good for a lead point guard. Uh, And he's someone who has gotten a lot of reps in a professional setting. Taking those shots. He, per 36 minutes this year, he was averaging 7.7 three points attempts per game. He was only hitting 25%, but he was getting up shots at a great clip. He was hitting 72% of his free throws. Not great, certainly, but also not a lost cause. And he also rebounds really well. He was getting almost nine rebounds per 36, eight assists. Uh, and he was scoring on you know, getting. 20 points per 36 as well. So uh, I think that LaMelo is a really interesting option if the Bulls win the lottery. I don't know exactly where NBA teams are going to have LaMelo. Teams will probably be a little bit turned off by uh, just how low his floor is, but if the Bulls were to win the lottery. If the Bulls could have any player in this draft, I would be pretty tempted to go with LaMelo Ball. I don't want to say that that's my official pick yet because as I do more research, that opinion might change, but I definitely think he's an intriguing option for the Bulls. Here's a few more guys who I think are pretty interesting. Killian Hayes is a dude who I had number three in my last mock draft. He's a six foot five guard from France. Uh, he was actually born in Florida, I believe. But Killian Hayes is really interesting. He's playing professionally right now for this team called Ulm. I believe they're in the German league or possibly the Belgium league. I think they're in the German league. Uh, playing for Ullman. He's been really good this year in terms of his scoring efficiency. He has a 59% true shooting percentage. Uh, The knock on him coming into this year was sort of his lack of athleticism and his lack of three-point shooting. He has looked a little shiftier in terms of being able to create separation off the dribble. The three-point shooting isn't great. He's only at 30.6% on three-point shooting, but he's an 88% free throw shooter. So I do like his mechanics. I like his ability to get up shots off the dribble. And what I really like is his live dribble passing. That's where I think he's really good. Uh, Even if he doesn't get all the way to the rim, he's able to sort of leverage the threat of his own scoring ability and the threat of his own pull up to... Hit his teammates and to Sort of facilitate and play make And keep the offense humming so He's someone who you know when you look At all the players in this draft class A lot of guys have scored at below average Efficiency and Killian Hayes has Playing against pros he's at you know nearly 60% Tree shooting percentage so I like that I like his size at 6 foot 5 190 I like the fact that you play The one or the two I don't know exactly How he fits in with Zach I don't know exactly How he fits in with Kobe but I think He does project to be a better Offensive initiator than either of those guys because I think he's a better decision maker. He's another player who's super young. He's uh, only like a week or two older than LaMelo, so he's a late July birthday. So that's really good. He's someone who's been able to get, you know, some steals. He's been able to get some assists. He makes his free throws. He's had some problems with turnovers. He's not super explosive, but uh, I like Killian Hayes quite a bit. There's also Tyrese Halliburton, the guard from Iowa State. There's Anthony Edwards, the guard from Georgia, who p- p- could potentially go number one. There's RJ Hampton. Uh, you mentioned Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin's going to win National Player of the Year in college basketball. Dayton's probably the best story of the season. Obi Toppin, to, in my opinion, is going to be the National Player of the Year. I don't know how you feel about Luca Garza after watching him today, Jason, because I know you watched that Illinois Iowa game. The grid eyebrows. <laughs> uh, to me, Toppin's the best player in college basketball this year. Just an absolute monster for Dayton, but. You know, six foot nine, 220, he's a power forward, he doesn't really shoot threes, he doesn't play a ton of defense, he is really athletic and dunks the shit out of the ball. He sort of reminds me of Marvin Bagley, who I know we haven't seen a ton of him yet, Uh because he's been hurt at the start of his pro career. But that's sort of my vague idea of Toppin, at least coming into the draft process without doing a ton of research yet. Uh, he doesn't rebound at Bagley's level, certainly not on the offensive glass. He doesn't have that second jump that Bagley has that made him really special. But and he, he
3: doesn't shoot threes. He is at 39%. 39%, yeah, but he's low volume. At almost, almost three attempts, so he's at least jumped that up since his last season. As a, as a, as a, he's a sophomore now. He's at 63% overall, 39% from three on games. So that's not bad. Not bad. I I know like nothing about him. I've seen a few of his highlights. He's got some sick dunks. I saw him hit a few threes in highlight tapes, but obviously I've not done like a full
1: research on Obi Top. And I've just, I've I've had friends talk to me about him. I've seen a few highlights. Basically great offensive player. And yeah, like the the story for him this season that he has developed more of an outside jumper than he's had before is a freshman last year. He led the country in dunks. So like he's the type of player who's just going to attack the rim offensively. I'm pretty interested to see what his ideal role in the NBA is going to be. Is he going to be like a small ball center who you're using as the dive man and who can attack the basket, similar to like a John Collins type? Uh, or do you have him space the floor a little bit if his shooting comes around? The reason I said I wasn't totally sold on his shooting is because, you know, the three-point shooting is still a little low volume, and he's only a 70% yeah. free throw shooter. So to me, that's sort of an indication that, Maybe the jumper isn't as pure as it looks this year from the raw box score numbers, but uh, Obi Toppin is a really awesome player. I think Dayton absolutely could go to the Final Four, and if it happens, I expect Toppin to be a Top 5 pick, especially in a week's draft like this year. And if they don't go to the Final Four and he doesn't have like the Charmed March run, he's still probably a Top 10 pick, I think. So uh, he could potentially be in the mix for the Bulls, and, uh, you know, It would be really interesting if they took a guy like that Who's a 4 or 5 when they already have Wendell They already have Lowry Uh, Yeah I mean that's sort of like The overview of this draft Class and there's a few names that I like who are, you know, if the Bulls were to fall down, if they were to trade back, I always think trading back's a good move. Uh, someone like Devin Vassell, a guy I really like on Florida State, 6'7 wing, sort of a classic 3 and D wing. He's a monster defensive player, and he's not like a point of attack defender the way we were talking about DeAndre Hunter last year at Virginia. Yes. He's a team defense guy all the way, and he's just a really strong feel for the ball guy on both ends. I love his team defense. I like his jump shot. Devin Bassel to me has become a top ten prospect in this draft just because he easily projects into an NBA role. He's not someone who's gonna like be an offensive initiator and create shots off the dribble and all that. But you know, if you need a wing and you need someone to slide in, to a very specific NBA role. I think Devin Vassell has a great opportunity to do that. Josh Green is another guy who's been rising up my board a little bit lately. He's a freshman wing, six foot six, on Arizona, playing next to Nico Manon, who has gotten more publicity than Green throughout the year. But very quietly, Green, I think, has maybe become a better prospect. Uh, a really smart defender, really good team defender. Again, uh, reminds me a little bit of like Josh Hart. Now, I don't know if Josh Hart is super exciting to anyone with a top 10 pick, but uh, you got to remember that Hart, I believe, was a four year college player, whereas Green's going to be a one and done. So he's a lot younger. Uh, He's been really solid this year for Arizona as a two way guy. He's hitting 34% of his threes. So he's not like a really efficient scorer yet. Again, he's someone who I think is going to be like a low usage offensive player initially when he gets to the NBA. But he is a winning player to me. He is someone who fills in the cracks and can defend at a high level. Uh, and so I like Josh Green a little bit too. That's another name I'll throw out for you.
3: Awesome. I said I got I got nothing for you there. I. The college basketball I watch is basically limited to Illinois. Like I said, who, as you mentioned, beat Iowa. Big big win for them. Luka Garza and his huge eyebrows. But, yeah, we will talk more draft. I believe next week we we do we are planning, with the tournament coming up, uh, we're planning on doing a deeper dive on some of these prospects that Ricky's talked about, so that's great. Like I said, I won't be able to offer much, but Ricky, once he does his research, he's all about this kind of stuff. I think we're going to hope to bring a guest on to have some more to go deeper dive into some of these prospects because – Again, the Chicago Bulls are awful. They're twenty-one and forty-three. They're going to have another high pick in the draft, and we're going to have to we're gonna have, to, have to pay attention to these guys. Um, looking forward, quick, quick to finish up here with the Bulls the next week. Not that it really matters. Uh, they got some pretty tough games coming up. They got the Cavs, who are who are bad, but they did they just beat the Spurs this week. Uh, they got the Cavs. Uh, they have the, they have a back to back against the they play the Magic and then they play the Heat and then I pl- believe they play the Celtics to finish up the week on Sunday night so that's a bunch of tough games again the schedule the rest of the way is brutal not that anyone 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 really cares I feel like it's kind of crazy just like being out on Twitter for Bulls games these days there's like no one actually talking about the Bulls no one actually cares everyone just wants a season end see where they draft so that is that is basically the Bulls situation right now again we will talk about the draft more next week. Uh, Ricky, any other final thoughts here? Are we good to finish up here? I think we're good. All right, awesome. As always, this has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Shout out to Blue Wire Network. Shout out to our to our sponsors, BetOnline.ag, and Untuck It uh, for our podcast. Please rate and review us at on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places, wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Uh, follow Blue Wire and Blue Wire Pods at, at at Blue Wire Pods. So we will talk to you guys next week. This has been Jason ricky chicago bulls, uh, catch considerations and chicago bulls podcast talk to you guys next week
2: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance